So late last night, I took a final pass through kind of what I wanted to say today, and I wrote these words in my journal. <laughs> it's Easter, y'all. <laughs> it's maybe my favorite day of the year, the anniversary of the most important day in human history. So many things going on in the world, things that are important, life-changing, joyful, tragic, newsworthy. But as important as these stories are, and they are worth our attention and our compassion, no inflation, no partisan bickering, no tax bill, happy tax day, you're welcome, no king, no politician, no president, no oligarch is more important than the empty tomb. No idea, no movement, no cause, no party is more important than what happened on this day. Christ's empty tomb matters most because truth matters most. This day, we focus on eternity, not anything else. This day, the tomb is empty, truth. This day, the empty tomb says that death is defeated. This day, with the defeat of death, is the victory of hope. This day. The king is alive. Clarence Hall said, Easter says, you can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. <laughs> We've been in a series here called Destination Resurrection. And we have talked about some of the places that Jesus went on his way to the tomb. Some of the places that had significance and there were some things that happened at some of those places that, that, that made us ask some penetrating questions, made us ask some challenging questions. And so I wanna to talk today about the final point in the destination, the empty tomb. I'll be in Luke chapter 24 eventually, but first I just remind you, it's Easter, y'all. He, he is risen. Let's do that again. He is risen. He is risen I love what Chuck Colson said about the resurrection. He said, I know it's a fact. Watergate proved it to me. Some of y'all are old enough to remember Watergate. How? Because 12 men testified they saw Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They wouldn't have endured it if it wasn't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world. They couldn't keep it alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So here's what I want to go today want to challenge us to think about Resurrection Day and ask us about our perspective on it. You're here. It's, it's Easter. You're watching online. It's Easter. You, you got dressed up. I put on a suit. Yes, I own one. It's Easter, y'all. And the question of what we seek and where we seek it is the question of the day. What do you seek? Where do you seek it? 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? This is the verse that comes from. And the, the, the women who came to the tomb, they were frightened. They bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. That's your part. Let's try that again. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Now we're on the same page. Let's go back a little bit. Jesus started this journey, as we know, in Bethany, top of the Mount of Olives. We talked about that, that, that there a, a woman poured out her anointing on him. He went from there to the temple where he, he taught, but more importantly, he wouldn't tolerate his father's house being either a, a a marketplace or, or just a cut through from one place to another. And he, then he went to Caiaphas' house where, where he was confronted with the evil that men can do. Then he went to the cross. We talked about that on, on Good Friday, good for us, bad for him. He went to the cross and, and then from the cross to the tomb. And then on Sunday morning, that tomb was empty. His journey was prayer, then suffering, then victory. Maybe yours is as well. Robert said, and, and I, I echo his, his thought, I don't know why you're here. A lot of people come in with a lot of stories, and there was so many stories here. Some of you are young, some of you are not so young. Some of you are in a lot of pain with a, a job, a family, grief, anxiety, fear. There's a lot of reasons that you could be here, and, and so it's appropriate that we talk about the, the tomb because a lot of people with a lot of stories gathered around that tomb. This is what the tomb looks like today. This is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And like we do in our world, we put a church over death to make it not seem as final. And truth be known, uh, the, the mother of Constantine, the, the one who kind of legitimized Christianity in about 300 A.D., she built a church anywhere she could find that Jesus ever went near. She was a, a Christian. She was probably the reason that her son became a Christian and probably the reason that Christianity got a foothold in the Roman Empire. And so she tried to figure out where Jesus was crucified. And by that time, it was a, it was a rock quarry on the outside of Jerusalem. You, you couldn't crucify anybody inside the city walls, so he had to be outside uh, the city walls. And then probably 100 yards from where he was crucified was where he was buried. So he hung on the cross at the place called Golgotha. He was between two thieves. And he, from that cross, he was taken down. And because it was nearing the Sabbath, they, they laid him out on a table. That table is still in the middle of the Holy Sepulcher. It's kind of between those two domes. But under the big dome is the little place they call the Aticule. And the Aticule is kind of a church within a church, and that's where the tomb actually was. Most archaeologists, most scholars think. That kind of got in the news around 2016 when the Israeli government authorities said, hey, that place is not safe anymore. 
Millions of tourists pass through there, and it would look bad on our country if it kind of like fell. That would be a bad day. And so they closed it for a short period of time, and they begin to do extensive reinforcements on that area. And what they also knew they had to do was inspect the foundation that was on it. It was built on a rock quarry. So the stones underneath it were not packed, just loose. And so for the first time in over 500 years, they peeled back the layers of the tomb where Jesus was laid. National Geographic filmed the whole thing. If you want really a, a, a pretty special kind of, of moment, look up online the National Geographic, the, the uncovering of the tomb of Jesus, and they will show you how they went one layer, one layer, one layer, one layer, as they, they had to go in and reinforce a lot of that stuff. But the interesting thing about that to me was that the archaeologists were not necessarily believers in Christ. Obviously, in Israel, a lot of them were Jewish. They, they weren't believers in the idea that the empty tomb was important, that, that Jesus was the central figure of all of Christianity. And yet, when they uncovered that place, they dropped to their knees. There was a sense of holiness, a sense of sacred space, a sense of Maybe there is hope. Maybe there is a, an answer. Maybe there is a relief from my grief. Maybe there is hope for my fear. Maybe there is a, a sense of meaning and purpose. Perhaps that's you today. Well, let's go to the Scripture and again ask that question. The, the question that I kind of want to start with today is, why do we look for the dead uh, among the living. Why, why do we go to a place of death when the, the, the person who was supposed to be there is in fact alive? This is the scripture. During, on the first day of the week, early dawn, that would have been Sunday morning in the, the Jewish week. It would have been the day after Passover. Remember, Jesus had to be taken down from the cross. The, the two thieves on either side of him, their legs were broken so they would suffocate quickly and it would be over, but Jesus was already dead. He was taken down from from the cross. He was laid on that table. They, they hastily prepared him for burial, but now they needed to come back and do it right because in their minds, he was going to be in that tomb for a very long time. <laughs> in fact, one of my favorite cliches in all of clichéness, Jesus is the only one who has ever lived who has borrowed a tomb and given it back. <laughs> I'm done with it. What's a two-day rental, right? And so they went to the tomb, and, and they were going to bring the spices and, and the wrappings, but they found the stone rolled away, and when they entered, they, they didn't find his body. They, they, they didn't find his body. While they were perplexed about that, if I had a telestrator, I would circle the word perplexed because it, it's so honest, right? My eyes see something, but my mind won't connect, uh, the, the stone is rolled away. It was far too large for, for the women or, or just a few people to move. And yet, they, they, they expected to see a body. They brought spices. You, you go there to wrap a body. Of course, the dead is there. And Jesus was dead. A Roman soldier proved it. He, he stuck a spear in his side, and the blood flowed out mixed with water, a sure sign that the heart is not beating. 
And they expected to find him, and they were confused when he wasn't there. They were looking for the answers that made sense to them, and they didn't find those answers. Let me camp there for just a second, because we do the same thing. We look for answers, solutions, relief. We look for it in our hobbies. We look for it in entertainment. We look for it in substances. We look for it in alcohol. We look for it in our work. We look for it in our families, and, and as lovely and necessary as our, our families are, we, we, we put all of our hope in them. They, they will solve our problems. They will give us courage in our fears. They will calm our anxieties. They will give us relief in our grief, but they don't. We look for the living among the dead. We look to find life there. We look to find hope there. We look to find victory there. And so we put countless hours and and countless uh, dollars and, and countless effort into things that will not give us that hope. Only the resurrected Christ will do that. Today, this day, the anniversary of that day, on that day, we sing the hymn of heaven. So what do we do? Where, where do we find hope? Where do we find? What, what do we find when we look for life? Well, according to the angels, it wasn't what they were looking for. Angels, the dazzling clothing is the clue. We're not talking about fresh from the dry cleaners. And the women were terrified. That happens anytime somebody sees an angel, right? The shepherds in the nativity scene, as soon as the angels showed up, they bowed, and, and the, the angels said, hey, don't be afraid. Why wouldn't we? And the women were terrified, and they said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? One of the writers this week said, maybe that's a better question for us than it was for them. Of course, they were looking for a dead body. Of course, that's, that's what they saw with their own eyes just a few days earlier. We, on the other hand, have 2,000 years of the story that gives us hope, and yet we continue to look in other places. So, the reality of the resurrection is a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new way of thinking. It's not the living, it's, it's not the dead, it's the living. We don't, we don't find it in the tomb, we find it in the empty tomb. It's a, it's a whole new paradigm, and they needed time to wrap their minds around it. So the angels continued, he is not here, but he is risen. Don't you remember that he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? He said, he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Oh, okay, connect the dots. Some of you were in church when you were little and you found it a nice place. Your mom gave you candy to suck on while the pastor just went on and on and on. And maybe that's what's happening today. But there, there was a, a, a sense of comfort about that, a sense of niceness about sort of nestling in, and, and then life happens. And then life happens. And all of a sudden, it's not the comforting place anymore, and the, the Scripture doesn't speak anymore, and the songs don't mean anything to you anymore, and, and life has happened. We continue to look for our hope in the old paradigm. Maybe if I work hard enough, 
Maybe if I give a few more coins in the offering plate. Maybe if I'll support this nonprofit. Maybe if I'll give to a charity. Maybe if I'll uh, be nicer to my neighbors. Maybe if I'll try to discover the best version of myself. Maybe if I'll just be kind. Maybe if I'll put a sign in my yard. Maybe, maybe I'll just try a little harder, work a little more, pay a little more, be a little more. That's the old paradigm. That's, the, that's what the Jewish people had, had grown up with, and that's what so many world religions point to today. You've got to do more of this. You've got to do more of this. You've got to do less of that. But they discovered a whole new paradigm. Alistair Begg is a Scottish preacher, and uh, he had a quote in one of his sermons. The sermon is the power and the message of the cross. Many of you have seen the, the YouTube meme this week. It's been making the, the loop, and I won't embarrass you or me with an attempt at a Scottish accent, but I'll, I'll tell you what he said. He said, uh, let's talk about the cross. The old question, if you were to die tonight and were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? Why would you say you should be let in? If you answer this in the first person, you've immediately gone wrong. I did this. I earned that. I put my trust. I put my faith. I put my hope. I gave. I solved. I worked. He said the only answer to this is in the third person, because he, because he, He says, think about the thief on the cross. Now I need you to imagine that I can do a Scottish accent. He says, I can't wait to meet that fellow one day to ask him, how'd that shake out for you? Because you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You don't know a thing about church membership. And yet, you made it. That's how he said it. You made it. That's all I got. He says he can only imagine the discussion that that thief from the cross had with the angel who had, uh, was deciding to let him in. He said, what are you doing here, says the angel. Guy says, I don't know. No, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Goes to get the supervising angel. So just a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guy said, never heard of it. He said, what about the doctrine of Scripture? Don't know what you're talking about. The guy's just staring. Eventually, in frustration, the supervising angel said, on what basis are you here? He says, the guy on the middle cross said I could come. (laughs) That's it, people. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, the guy in the middle said we could come. He did it. He died. He rose again. The guy in the middle said we could come. A whole new paradigm. What do I do with my anxiety? Don't I have to work hard? Don't I have to do some exercises? Well, maybe. But the guy in the middle said you could come. 
Well, what do I do with my fear? What do I do with my doubt? What do I do? How do I earn? How do I pray more, read the Bible more, get in church more, do this, do this, do this? The paradigm has changed. He did it all. And it took the disciples just a minute to get there. The women, they remembered his words. They returned to the tomb. They reported all these things to the 11 and to the rest. They, they went running. Of course they did. Never seen this before. New paradigm, new thing, new way of thinking. Get back to the disciples, and guess what? They're skeptical. I get it. I'm a bit of a skeptic. No, I'm a lot of a skeptic. I have the spiritual gift of cynicism. And when somebody says, this will work, it'll make your grass greener, right. It'll make your teeth wider. Okay. Here's this financial thing. Invest in it. Don't think so. Late night TV. It's like a cynicism workshop. None of that'll work. Don't buy it. And so I get it. And I went to college in the 70s when Josh McDowell was promising that we were going to have evidence that could demand a verdict. We were going to, we were going to prove intellectually that, that Jesus existed. We could but to prove intellectually that this, prove intellectually. We're going to use science. And it'll hold up. But it occurred to me that if anybody can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. And so I... I, I needed more than that. I needed evidence. So our response says a lot about our view of God. The women believed, right? They, 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 they believed, and then they went to tell. Okay, I get it. I'm going to tell. I'm, I can't wait. Got some friends I need to tell. Got news. That's the way we are. Got good news. Can't wait to tell anybody. Had, made a good deal. Can't wait to tell anybody. Your grandpa found a new route to get from point A to point B. Can't wait to tell you all over and over. If we get good news, we got to tell. But this is what happened. It's Mary Magdalene and Joanna. Mary, the mother of James, the other women. So all these women went to the tomb to prepare Jesus for burial. Told these things to the apostles but these words seem to them an idle tale. That's late night TV for Peter and John and the guys. Jesus is alive. He's, he's risen from the tomb. Right. Yeah. Get back to you on that one. But then a switch flipped. A switch flipped. There's something between verse 11 and verse 12, and, and the Bible doesn't say what it is, but I kind of know because I share the skepticism. I kind of get it. A switch flipped. And Peter is sitting there, and he's going, what if it's true? What if it's true? What if the tomb really is empty? What if he really did rise from the dead? What if he really did what he said he was going to do? What if this paradigm change is legit? 
Well, what if, what if my fear and my doubt, and, and Peter was carrying a lot of shame. You may remember that we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that, that before Christ was crucified, Peter denied that he even knew his name. Three times cursed that, that you would even suggest that he had a relationship with this guy, Jesus. He was carrying a lot of shame, and, and I can only imagine that part of his reluctance to accept the truth was that he wasn't sure he wanted to see Jesus face to face. And that's a bunch of us. He knows what we did. He knows what we thought. He knows when we weep. He knows what we're afraid of. He knows what gives us cold chills in the night. And we're really not sure we want to entrust our messiness to him. But then Peter said, what if it's true? And I would challenge you to, to ask that question. What if it's true? What if death is defeated? What if hope is restored? What if there is a spiritual solution to your, your earthly drama that you brought even in here or that you're watching online and you carry with you day after day after day? I, I, I can only imagine the shame that Peter carried. And that Saturday, the silent Saturday, had to be the longest day of his life when the last thing he remembered before he saw Jesus on a cross was Jesus making eye contact with him because he had denied him. I, and now the switch is flipped. What if it's true? And being the skeptic that he was, he said, I'm going to go collect some evidence. I'm going to go see for myself. Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Now, John's version of this story is really funny because he and Peter were best friends. And in John's version of the story, he goes out of his way to say they both ran and John outran him. <laughs> His boys will be boys. And so they got to the tomb. They discovered the, the linen claws. They ran into the tomb. It was empty. He Peter went home marveling at what had happened. So kind of two questions. Book ended. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Why do we look for earthly solutions? Why do we look for self-help or somebody help or, or this gadget or maybe that ointment that you can buy on late night TV. Why do we look for the living among the dead? When the truth was put in a grave, but it didn't stay there, the, the truth, the, the way, the truth, the life, that's, that's the access point to the Father, that's the access point to grace, that's the access point to, to peace, and, and the sense that there, there is something bigger than us, something more to this life. Why would we look for the living among the dead? But at the other end is the other bookend. What if it's true? And let me personalize that question. What if it's true for you? What if it's true for you? What if he really can help? What if he really can give a sense of peace? What if, is it going to make your teeth white, your hair straight, your taxes less? No. But it will give you an inner peace that can only come when the paradigm is shifted, when death becomes life, 
when hopelessness becomes hope, the paradigm switches because you begin to ask the question, what if it's true for me? And I would challenge you to ask that question. As you go out in the lobby after our service today, there are people in green shirts. Approach one of them and let them point you to a pastor or or have a conversation right then and there. What if it's true for me? Why am I continuing to look for the living among the dead? What if it's true? Can I find that hope? Can I find the hope that canceled out the shame in a disciple who had denied him? watched him die, dismissed the woman's testimony as a, as a fable. Can I find hope in that guy? Because on this day, we celebrate that anniversary. This day, we acknowledge that the tomb was empty. This day, we acknowledge that lives have been, will be, are changed this day. What if it's true for you? Would you pray with me? Almighty Father, invade our space with the glorious truth of the resurrection. Let us deal with you, your Holy Spirit that longs to fill us up with the presence, with the truth, with the reality of resurrection hope. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this day that we celebrate that day. Grant us peace. Give us conversations. Give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.